Hey, everybody, this is Justin Michael Williams with Motivation for Black People, giving you trusted guidance to make your life better. And this episode is all about self acceptance. And what I want you to know right when we start this episode is that it's like most of us, when we think about self-acceptance and self-love and like self-confidence and loving ourselves, we have it all wrong because we base our self-acceptance oftentimes on what we do. But real self-acceptance is not about what you do, but about who you are, about who you actually are. And I'm thinking back across my journey, you know, and noticing how many times in my life, and we all have these moments when we think our self-worth, like we feel good about ourselves when we've accomplished something, or we're dating the right person, when our body's the right way, or when we look the way we think we're supposed to look, or when you lose the weight that you thought you were supposed to lose, or when you have the right amount of money in your bank account that you think is acceptable for you, you know, that makes you comfortable. When we have all those things in check, then it's easy, right? It feels really easy to love ourselves. But when some of those things get stripped away, when some of those things aren't there, then what is your quality of self-love and self-acceptance then? If our self-love and self-acceptance relies on what we do and what we have, then when those things go away, so does our self-love and self-acceptance. They're reliant on things. And all of those things and job titles and descriptions and accolades and accomplishments, all of those things wane and fade away. But when we focus our self-acceptance on who we are versus what we do, That's where true, lasting self-love and self-acceptance really lies. And this journey for me, you know, it's really interesting. I'm recording this episode right at the end of Pride Month. And I was thinking about recording an episode and I'm like, oh, I should do something for Pride. And I was like, I don't want to do anything for Pride. Like, you know, my whole life is Pride. And then I started really unpacking this word, Pride. And like, what does it really mean to be proud of not, you know, just your family, your community or whatever, but to be proud of yourself and how easy it is in the times when I've been on top of the world or when I got this accomplishment or when, you know, I put out my album or blah, 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 had this success, how easy it is to be proud of myself and how easy it is for other people to show that they're proud of me when I'm accomplishing and doing and overachieving and being and doing more and overworking. It's easy to be proud and to see that people are proud of you then. But when all that's gone, right? I'm not meaning like your accomplishments go away, but I'm saying underneath in the deepest rooted sense in terms of who you are without accomplishing anything, do you feel proud of who you are inside? And thinking about this, you know, really reminded me of my journey growing up. And I think you may be surprised to know that like, I, one of the, one of the biggest struggles in, in my life, I would say the biggest struggle in my life internally has been around my self-confidence and my self-worth and my self-love and my self-acceptance. And, you know, I know that's sometimes surprising for people to hear when, when they see me, but I think one of the things that I'm most committed to is keeping it just so real with you guys, because on my journey, you know, grew up in a home with a lot of love, you know, around me. My parents did the 
absolute best that they could. I think one of the things that I'm really learning as I'm growing and healing a lot of stuff with my parents is that my parents were kids when they had me. Like they were younger than I am now, you know, and I can't even imagine having a damn dog, let alone a child, you know. So for all you parents out there, I hats off to you. And my parents sacrificed and did so much for me. But at the same time, there was still a lot of trauma inflicted, you know, and this happens to all of us. This happens to all of us in in so many different ways. And for me, you know, thinking about Pride Month, one of the things that I'll share is I knew that I was gay before I even know, even knew what the word meant. And I think actually back to the first time I ever heard the word gay. So I was in second grade. And we were on the playground playing Foursquare. And all these boys in the fourth grade, I used to get like, I used to get super bullied, like bullied, bullied, bullied bad in school. So bad that my grandpa, um, who, who's no longer with us, so we used to live like walking distance from school. When I say walking distance, I mean you could see the front of my house from the playground of school. And I used to get bullied so bad that my grandpa used to drive across the street to pick me up in the front of the school, to put me in the car and drive me right back across the street to go home. Because if I walked home, kids would jump out of trees. One kid got expelled, all this stuff. It just was a terrible experience for me, you know? And um, I think one of the things that propelled me into being an overachiever, because it was the one thing nobody could fuck with me on, was that I was smart, you know? And But anyway, I was out on the Foursquare playing Foursquare. And these fourth grade boys, one guy, I think his name was Xavier. He was just like, uh, (laughs) and Leotis was the other guy's name, I remember. And they were just teasing me saying, you're gay. He gay. He's gay. Gay, gay. And I was like, what's gay? Right? Like, I literally had never heard the word before. And they're like, oh, it just means you're happy. It just means you're happy. And I was like, what? Like, okay, sure. But I knew something was up, but I couldn't quite figure it out. So they had like, just tried to tell me that gay meant happy, which, of course, it is one definition. And so I go up to the yard duty teacher, and I'm like, what's gay? And she was like, oh, honey, don't worry. It just means that you're happy. So no one tells me, right? So I go, and the rest of the day, I'm like, I'm gay. I'm gay. I'm gay. And everyone's laughing and snickering. I'm like, I'm thinking they're laughing with me, but really they're just kind of teasing me. So I'm walking around school at second grade talking about I'm gay, right? (laughs) Thinking that it's saying I'm happy. And then I go home, and I tell my mom, Hey, like, oh, guess what, mom? I'm gay. And can you imagine? Okay, little second grade coming home. And my mom was not okay. Okay, so she's like, who told you that? Who told you that? Who told you that shit? You know, you are not gay. Gay people go to hell. And gay people have the disease where you get HIV and you get AIDS, actually, is what you said. Gay people get AIDS. And, you know, my mom, I'm going to say this right now. In, in the knowledge that she had at that point, that was her awareness, right? Gay people are bad. Gay people go to hell. Ba- gay people have AIDS. And um, now you guys would be shocked if you see my mom. She was out protesting for Prop 8 more than I was. She'd been out at the Prides, holding rainbow flags, everything. So my mom has oh, just has accepted me so much in the, in, at this point in my adulthood. But when I was younger, it wasn't that way, right? So I knew instantly she was like, you are not gay. So my first understanding of what gay meant was that Whatever the hell it was, it was not okay. Whatever it was, was not okay. And then I remember another time, right, when I was walking in San Francisco with my mom. And these two, and I was probably, I don't know, 10, something like that. And me and my sister and my mom were walking in San Francisco. 
And these two just queens come, you know, walking down the street. Guys, exactly as you can picture it. They were wearing, like, short, short, short jean shorts and, like, mesh tank tops. And they were just switching and, you know, hands, wrists curled over. And they're walking down the street. And my mom goes, oh, my God, hurry up, cross the street. We don't want to get HIV. You know, we don't want to get AIDS. And I was like, Mom, what is AIDS? And she was like, that's the disease that the gay people, that God gives the gay people so that they, you know, go to hell. And um, it's their punishment for being gay. And I just remember, like, this is what I knew, right? But (laughs) mind you, this is what I'm understanding at home about what being gay means. And then at the same time, I'm at school and everyone's calling me gay, right? And I just have this weird thing of like, well, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. And I feel like one of the important things to note here is like whether you're gay or straight or whatever the hell you are. And if you're somebody who's not gay and you're listening, trust me, there's some kid or some person in your life who's hiding or is going to come out or has come out. And this story that I'm sharing is a story that many of us, many of us go through. It's like a shared trauma in the gay community. So I want you to make sure you're listening extra closely to get an understanding of how to deal with this stuff. But for all of us, this is going into a story about real self-acceptance. And I'm telling you this about the, the gay part Because what happened early on for me is once I started to realize that I did like boys, which for me happened early, like I was like eight or nine and I knew, now I knew what gay kind of was. And I remember I was playing baseball. I'm talking a little kid, okay, like peewee, whatever you play, baseball. And I remember the coaches would like slap, slap all the boys butts, right? When you're like, yeah, good job. And I remember knowing like, I, I like this more. Like, I used to try to do good stuff in baseball so that I could get the coach to slap my booty, right? And I knew that's not what the other boys were doing. And I knew something then was different. But I still didn't know, oh, is it gay? Is it this? And then I get in junior high, and I have girlfriends. And I did like girls, you know, actually did and sometimes still do every once in a while, to be totally honest with you guys. But mostly, you know, I was having these attractions to boys, and I was secretly, you know, doing things with boys in the locker room. And then in high school, I had girlfriends and, like, doing things with boys after band practice and, like, having all these sexual experiences. But deep down, like, knowing that everything that I was, like, implanted in me was not okay, that it was wrong, that I was going to hell, that I had to be somebody different in order to be loved and accepted. That's the key. And I think we all share this, no matter if you're gay or straight, whatever the hell you are in between. We all share this this trauma of trying to be somebody different, to be loved and accepted. And that's when we abandon our self-acceptance. Okay, so do you see how this happens? By abandoning ourself, we try to become what we expect or what we think other people expect us to be so that we can be accepted from the external instead of being accepted from the self, from the internal self. And so for me, God, I mean, it really was to be totally just fucking like, honest with you guys it, it it just fucking sucked for me it just was terrible you know on the outside you know if you ask people who grew up with me they're always shocked to hear this because on the outside I became a fucking like master of deception I became a master. I used to always say, like, I'm a chameleon, and I used to take pride in that. But there's a problem when you're a chameleon, and you don't know 
who you actually are after you've transformed so much. You don't know what the actual center point is. And that's what happened to me. And so I'm in school and I'm seem popular and I get good grades and I'm getting into college and I'm an overachiever and I'm in AP classes and I'm happy and I'm the leadership and I'm class president and I'm all this kind of stuff. But inside, inside, I felt like shit because everything, everything that I was being was because I wanted other people to accept me. And this happens because, you know, early on, I got this message that who I am is not okay. So I better try and be or do or act some other kind of way to be all right, okay? And so we get practice at this. And I'll tell you guys one more story. It's just never told these stories, you know, publicly. And so one time, this was like a big one for me. So one time, what I used to always get teased about at school was like the way I walked and the way I talked and I mean really just everything. But one time I was, walk, we were walking into the Home Depot, very specifically remember this, and I was walking in front of my mom and my stepdad and my stepdad goes like, come here, come here. And they're like, why are you walking like that? Why are you switching your hips? Why are you walking like that? And he comes over and has me walk on the sidewalk and he's trying to show me, teach me how to walk like a man. And meanwhile, I'm this little kid, right? Like just walking, normal, just trying to walk. And like now I know even just the way that I walk naturally was not okay. So then I I was in my room with the door closed in the mirror, practicing trying to walk a different way. So all the way down to the core of my being, I just became an expert as this is who I have to be to be accepted. I had girlfriends, I had everything. And then... (laughs) You know, I go to college and this was kind of the the moment, you know, when we're talking about pride or whatever, like I was getting ready to go to college and this was a, such a funny moment to me because I get to UCLA, which is where I went to school and it was our orientation and I'm sitting with this huge group of people and I remember I was so afraid because at this point I had only come out to like a small, small, small handful of like my closest, closest friends in in high school and I was thinking, oh my God, how am I going to come out like what am I going to do? Like, I'm in college. I'm not going to hide anymore because I'm all the way in LA and my whole family's in the Bay Area. I don't need to hide anymore. What am I going to do? And so I was thinking, planning this whole way that I was going to come out to people. And I sit in this fucking circle of people in the quad at UCLA and we're all talking and then we're going around the circle and one of the girls just looks at me and it's quiet. I'm talking, there's like 30 people from my floor, my dorm floor there. And the girl turns to me, she goes, so do you have a boyfriend? (laughs) And I was like, oh, I was like, um, no. She was like, have you ever had a boyfriend? And I was like, um, I've had some guys that I've been with, da 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 And like, that was my coming out. Like, I, I didn't even have to. It's apparently, I just, it's so fucking obvious that I'm gay that I didn't even have to come out, right? And so in college, I was just out. But still, even though from the external, right, that I am out of the closet, quote unquote, internally, all that trauma had never been healed. And this is where I want you to pay close attention because on the external, it can look like everything's okay. This is what I'm really getting to here, right? On the external, it can look like your life is in order. It can look like joy. It can look like success. It can look like happiness. It can look like pride. But if the wounds have not been tended to, then the healing has never occurred. It's just a Band-Aid. And when those Band-Aids get removed, which they always do, then what's underneath? 
And what I want for you is to have a deep, deep self-acceptance that what's underneath the band, you don't need no damn band-aids, right? That all that stuff is just extra. And so for me, what happened um, among many things, but I'll tell you, I think one of the main things that happened to me is I arrived in LA and I had, now I was out and I was going to gay bars and I was doing all these things, but I had the same wound controlling my life. The only thing that I had learned how to do was to be somebody else. So, and try to look at what other, what other people wanted me to be. And so what I did in LA was I was like, okay, so what does it mean to be a gay guy? Oh, okay. So you have to wear really tight jeans. Oh, you get your eyebrows done. Oh, you barely eat, you know, or you're super buff or whatever. And I developed a really, really bad eating disorder for a couple of years. And this is something that doesn't get um, talked about publicly enough for men. Um, but it's so important to me to talk, bring this up because eating, like eating disorders and body image issues are just a big of a deal for men, straight men too, as they are for women. But men are never given an outlet to talk about it because we're supposed to be masculine. We're not supposed to care. But I want you listening, everybody, to actually think about the movement and the change that's happened over the last 10 years for women in terms of body positivity, right? We're seeing mannequins in different sizes. We're seeing stores for different sizes. We're seeing, you know, plus size this and like love your body. And we're seeing different images of different shapes and, and curvy women on on TV and in magazines and clothes and Everything. But if you look at what's happened for men, ain't shit changed. Nothing has changed. We still see two types of men. It's the man with the big chest and the six pack of abs or the little skinny man who hasn't eaten in two months, right? These are the two men that have been in the fashion industry or on billboards or on ads forever. And the same body positivity movement doesn't happen for men. So we don't get a chance to talk about this. But I want you to pay attention next time you go to the swimming pool or next time you go to the beach. I want you to pay attention to how many men keep their shirts on. It's not just because they're cool. Okay. It's not just because they're trying to be like, oh, I don't need it. I don't take my shirt off. It's because they're, they're not comfortable in their bodies. Right. And we, but then we're not giving an opportunity for people to talk about this. And so for me, um, this was so important for me that I, actually wrote, recorded a song and released a music video called Broken Mirrors about this. Um, and what happened for me was I developed anorexia and then bulimia. So I'm like six feet tall. And right now I weigh about 155, 160. And when I was in college, I was about 120 pounds. Um, I just want you to realize like how small that was for somebody my build. And the it got so bad that the straw that broke the camel's back for me was one time I went to go throw up like I always did after I ate in the dorm room. And I came back to wash my hands like usual, but then I looked up in the mirror and there was blood in my right eye. Actually, it was my left eye. Blood in my left eye and I popped a blood vessel in my eye from the pressure of throwing up. And that's when I knew I had a, a serious problem. And I'd finally like admitted to it and talked to somebody and um, went to the doctor and the doctor actually recommended to me he you know he therapy which i started then and then also that i try yoga um and he said you need to start trying yoga and meditation and it was that that was my introduction to yoga and um and meditation and that practice that has been a part of my life ever since for more than a decade and really really helped to save me to be honest with you um because i was really struggling and this is all to say right Self-acceptance, when we don't have a real deep-rooted self-acceptance, 
then we're constantly doing things to try to be something. And for me, some of the things looked positive, like being an overachiever. And some of them looked negative, like trying to get my body to look a certain way so I think I could be loved and accepted and, and hot as a hot, gay, hot new young gay guy. You know, some of them looked more toxic like that, like an eating disorder. And then some of them become a part of who we think we actually are. But they're just Band-Aids, like keeping us away or making us run away from the pain that's inside. And so my biggest offering to you as, you know, and, and the reason why I'm telling you all of this is because, first of all, I want you to know that we're all dealing with this. Even me. We're all dealing with this stuff. And I would be lying to you today if I said that I have all the answers figured out, right? Like the echoes of my eating disorder and that, you know, 18 years of my life trying to be somebody else, it still comes back to me every once in a while, you know? Every once in a while I look in the mirror and and I can't see who I really am and I can't see um, the beauty that lies within. But I know one thing for sure is that I've gotten a hell of a lot better, a hell of a lot better and I want to um, share some of, the, some of the ways, you know, that I've gotten better with you so that you can use this yourself. And obviously, I'm going to say this now, like some things you just need professional help, right? Like we just need therapy and, and there are so many resources in our communities um, now. And I love that mental health is a, a, an open conversation now in, in our communities as black people. I'm in therapy every single week, y'all, every week, right? Every week, I would not be who I am today if I wasn't. And um, so I'm saying that like this podcast is not a replacement for that. But I think I would like to give you some of the tools that have worked deeply for me. And the first thing that I'm going to do on here is guide us through a short meditation. So wherever you are, um, this should be a meditation that you should be able to do. Um, And this is something that you can use anytime just to help you ground into yourself a little bit more. And then I'm going to talk to you about a couple other things that you can do that, that don't involve meditation. So wherever you are, if you're in a place that you can close your eyes, I invite you to close them. If you're not, if you're driving or something like that, definitely not a good idea. (laughs) But this will just be a short couple of minutes. And I'd like you to place one hand over your heart and one hand over your navel. And on the count of three, exhale everything out of your system through your nose. One, two, three. Exhale everything out of the system through the nose. And now slowly inhale into your belly first, so into your lower hand first. And then let it come up into your chest and into your collarbones and into your throat and all the way up into your jaw. Let the breath come deep inside of you and hold it. And now as slowly as you can without making a sound, let the breath come out of your mouth. So you blow it like you're blowing through a straw. Slow and without a sound. All the way to empty. So we're balancing and regulating the nervous system here. Let's do that again. Deep breath in through the nose, belly first, up into the chest, into your heart, into your collarbone, into your throat, into your jaw. Hold it for just a second. And now slowly and silently exhale through the mouth like you're blowing out through a straw. All the way out. All. 
And with your hands on these two very powerful energetic centers of the body, just start breathing normally again, just naturally. And we have one hand over the heart to really anchor into the center of love and one hand over our navel because the navel is considered in most spiritual traditions the center of our power and our confidence. And what we want to do is we want to align these two places, the center of our power and the center of love to ignite at the center of our being so that we have love for ourselves and confidence in ourselves all together in one. And now I want you to repeat to yourself mentally, what am I hiding from myself? Ask that question. What am I hiding from myself? What am I hiding from myself? You can just see if anything arises. And you may even ask the question this way and see if a different answer comes. What am I hiding from? What am I hiding from? Because we're all in some way hiding from something. We're hiding from our fears. We're hiding from our power. We're hiding from success. We're hiding from love. We hide, which is the opposite of pride. We hide. It's okay. But the first step is awareness and knowledge and a willingness to just see it. Like hide and seek, just to spot it. And from that place, we can start to take action. Just see what comes to you. What am I hiding from? What are you hiding from? Take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Again, just one more deep breath in. And a deep breath out. If your eyes are closed, you're welcome to open them or you can keep them closed. And this is the thing. We have to start by acknowledging what we're hiding from. Okay? So for me, I was hiding, I was using like success and I was using sex and I was using, you know, partying and I was using anorexia and bulimia and accomplishing to hide from the pain that I felt that I was not enough. I was hiding from this core wound in me that told me that I wasn't good enough. I was hiding from that pain because it fucking hurts and that's okay. But as black people, One of the things that we've gotten way too damn good at 
is pushing stuff down so that we can try to present and be acceptable and succeed and accomplish. But this time is up. No more. This is our time. We are the first generation. The first generation that has the luxury to think about mental health, to actually invest our time and energy into it. We've been paid for by our ancestors. We've been paid for. They've worked their asses off so that we can do this. And this is our time to not just do and march and protest and all all that stuff is great. I think it's all important, right? All the activist movements and everything. I'm a part of them too. And we must also tend to the wars within ourselves. Because it's only if we do that that we'll be able to stop passing this shit down. And we'll stop recreating the cycles. And so what I invite you to do is to just take a moment when you're done listening to this, whether you do it on your phone or whether you stop and journal for a few minutes or you wait and do it later or you call a friend and talk about it. I want you to spend just a few minutes just journaling with yourself. And it doesn't have to be a big deal. Just writing a little bit to yourself. A love note to yourself. Imagining you're talking to your younger self, like a child version of you, as an adult, telling them it's okay. And write a love letter to yourself, saying it's okay. If it was mine, I would say it's okay, Justin. Who you are is so important. All the things people are teasing you about are the things that are actually going to make you successful and unique and important in the world. And all I would just talk and write a love note to myself. And this is something that really helps because it helps you start to heal and let that child within you who thinks they're alone, who's still trying to control things, who's still afraid, it lets them start to loosen their grip and stop controlling your life from the background and they know that it's okay. They know that it got, they have your back or you have their back. And so this can be deep work, right? So what I want you to do, just to be very clear, is take a moment to just write a love note to yourself your younger self, or you can even write it to your current self. Not just to hype yourself up, but to really like imagine your younger self coming with all the pain and all the wounds and all the fears. Imagine them coming to you as a little child and saying, I'm scared. And they're hiding and they're scared. And then what do you say? What do you say to that child? To the child within? This is where we begin. There's much more that we can do from here. But this is where we begin because we can't do, we can't do things to heal what's within. We have to be, we have to become. And so this is an inside job, my dear. It's an inside job. So I'm going to end here because uh, I think we've gone through a lot. I've even stirred up a lot um, for myself. But I think what I really want to make sure more than anything that you know in this episode is that you are worthy. You are so fucking worthy for, for who you are, not just for what you do, not just for what you create, not just for what you've accomplished, not just for your jobs and your successes and the money that you want to have in the bank or your, how you look your, it's none of that shit matters that much. At least who you are matters most that's it 
So please take a few moments now to just journal, see what comes up for you. Write that love note to yourself. And if you haven't done so already, I invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Um, And if you're on Apple listening, to write a comment for this episode or rate the podcast because that really helps more people see this content and this information. It makes a big impact. And uh, I just want you to know that I love you. I honor you. It's a great honor to be on this journey with you. And I'll talk to you next week. This has been Justin Michael Williams. Bye for now. (laughs) 